We're uh, reading from uh, Luke chapter 24, commencing at uh, verse 13. Now on the same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, whom said he was alive. Then some of the companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it was because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you. While I am still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. He then opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. 
that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. May God bless that reading to us this morning. Thanks, Carl. Well, friends, we're going to spend a few minutes considering this resurrection, this event that we celebrate today and what it means for us. So how about we pray as we do that? Father God, just as the disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, we ask that you would help us see. Open our eyes so that we would see not just the fact of the resurrection, but its implications. Show us how this changes everything about our life now and how it changes everything about our future. And we ask this because it's good for us. We ask this because it brings you glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you might remember, if you're old enough, but in 2002 in Washington, D.C., there was a period of about three weeks where everyone lived in fear. Do you remember what happened in 2002 in Washington, D.C.? It was the sniper shootings. In all, 17 people were shot and killed in separate shootings, and there was a number of other people that were also injured. But the thing that really gripped everyone with fear, the thing that was most terrifying about these shootings, is not so much the scale but that they were, as far as anyone could tell, random. Completely random. Not one of the victims was known to the shooters. There was no discernible pattern to the attacks. None of the victims were linked by race or gender or religion or occupation or anything. There was no clear motive. The attacks were carried out in broad daylight, and yet no one saw a shooter. They were carried out at different times, in different places. As far as anyone could tell, these shootings were completely random. If you were alive at the time, you will have remembered all the news coverage. It was, you know, that magnified a hundredfold in the States. The media went crazy over this story. And during that time, there was a journalist named Ann Patchett, and she made this observation. She says, we are always looking to make some sort of sense out of murder in order to keep it safely at bay. I do not fit the description. I do not live in that town. I would never have gone to that place, known that person. But what happens when there is no description, no place, nobody? Where do you go to find your peace of mind? The fact is, staving off our own death is one of our favourite national pastimes. Whether it's exercise, checking our cholesterol or having a mammogram, we are always hedging against mortality. Find out what the profile is and identify the ways in which you do not fit it. But a sniper taking a single clear shot, not into a crowd but through the sight, reminds us horribly of death itself. Despite our best intentions, it is still, for the most part, random. And it is absolutely coming. 
They're chilling words, aren't they? But it's, it's true, isn't it? And I didn't ever realise that this is exactly what I do when I read about a death in the news. I try to work out how that person is not like me. I try to work out what, what circumstances that uniquely apply to them that may put them in that danger so that I feel safe. It's in my desperate longing for safety that I try to convince myself that death will not take me. And maybe you do it too. But Patchett is right. Despite our best intentions, despite the billions of dollars we spend on healthcare, despite the meticulous dieting and exercise routines, despite the strict avoidance of anything that is even slightly risky, despite all our efforts, we will all fail. Death is still, for the most part, random, and it is absolutely coming. But brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the death of death. Because some 2,000 years ago, early in the morning, while the world was still sleeping, in a quiet garden outside Jerusalem, a small group of unimportant women and a couple of ex-fishermen, looking for the body of their murdered friend, stumbled across the most significant event in world history. And while they didn't know it at the time, what they discovered would go on to fundamentally shape the course of human civilization, and it would be the defining influence in the lives of hundreds of millions of people right through to the present day. And the reason that we celebrate the resurrection today is because by walking out of his own grave, Jesus Christ came and secured an emphatic victory over humanity's greatest enemy. Jesus Christ scored a win over the thing that you most fear, the thing that grieves you most, the thing that claims the strong and the weak, the rich and the poor, the young and the old. Jesus Christ came and defeated death. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God gave a firm and final no to death. The first thing I want to show you this morning is that God says no, firstly, to Jesus' death. Because we mustn't overlook the fact that Jesus was very much dead. He stopped breathing on that cross. His side was pierced with a sword and the torrent of bodily fluids that had drowned him came gushing out. His limp body was carried to a tomb. Jesus was dead. And guards stood at the entrance of that tomb, guarding the body of that would-be king. No one expected Jesus to walk out of that tomb. Do you notice how in the passage that we just read, Jesus' body goes missing. No one in the story says, of course it's not in the tomb. He's risen again. No one says that. No one thinks that was going to happen, despite the fact that Jesus had said it would happen. No one is prepared for this. Even some of his closest friends don't believe it. As a side note, friends, if you're here this morning and you're someone who kind of struggles with the idea of a dead man coming back to life, if you have doubts about this, if you're not yet convinced, if you think this sounds a little bit too much like a bit tacked onto the end of the story to give it a happy ending, then know this, you're in very good company. Because almost all of Jesus' closest friends doubted it too. But something happened to them. Something happened that changed this fearful bunch of friends 
who doubted the resurrection, and that something happened which transformed them into fearless preachers who suffered and even died for their belief in the resurrection. Do you, do you know what that thing was? They went from cowering in a room with the door locked, scared, and then they became people who preached the, the gospel, preached the resurrection, and were even willing to die for it. What, what changed? What happened there? You might think that it was they saw Jesus alive. And if you think that, you're actually wrong. Because did you see that in, the, in Luke 24 there? Did you, did, did you notice it? Everyone who sees the resurrected Jesus keeps doubting. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus are face to face with Jesus and they still don't believe. The 11 disciples in the room with Jesus, uh, sorry, they're in the room with Jesus and he's showing them his hands and his feet. He's, he's, he's pointing the holes in his hands. He's even eating food in front of them. And it says they still did not believe. They, they say seeing is believing, but Jesus' closest friends saw him right before their eyes and still they did not see. And yet, over the course of the next decade, almost every one of them was persecuted, even murdered, because they refused to be quiet about the fact that Jesus truly rose again. Do you want to know what it was that changed them? It wasn't seeing Jesus in the flesh. Did you see what it was? It was seeing Jesus in the scriptures. It was when Jesus showed the disciples on the road to Emmaus how all of the Old Testament pointed to him, that their hearts were burning within them. It was when Jesus opened their minds, so the ele- oh, sorry, opened the minds of the eleven, so they could understand the scriptures that they began to bear witness to the resurrection. Before they understood the scriptures about Jesus, they were scared. They were crippled with doubts. They didn't know what to do. They were just hiding in a room, waiting for who knows what. But then Jesus opened their eyes to see how this was God's plan from before the beginning of time. This had always been God's plan. This is exactly what God had expected would happen. This thing that no one expected was exactly what was always going to happen. And when they understood this, when they could see in the scriptures that from beginning to end it all points to Jesus and points to a resurrected Jesus who reigns as king, they were transformed, they were changed, they became joyous, they became courageous. And brothers and sisters, if you have doubts or even if you kind of believe it but you still live in fear, if you want to have that same courage and joy from the hope of the resurrection then you don't need to see Jesus face to face. You come across people, right, who say, I'll believe Jesus when I can see him. Why doesn't God just make himself clearer? You don't need that. You actually have something better. In John chapter 20, which I printed on the back of your outlines if you want to see it there, but Jesus says to Thomas, remember Thomas was the guy who doubted. He was one of Jesus' disciples and he said, unless I can poke my fingers through his hands, I won't believe. And Jesus lets him do that, which is just gross. But in John chapter 20, Jesus says to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, Jesus is saying, actually, it's better 
to not see me in the flesh, but to see me in the scriptures. It's better to see Jesus in the Bible than to see him face to face. And do you know why that is? You can see Jesus in the flesh and you'll know that Jesus rose again. But friends, when you see Jesus in the scriptures, then you will know why Jesus rose again. And the reason Jesus rose again from death was to give a firm and final no to your death. Ever since the beginning of time, God's world has been groaning under the burden of sin and death. From the moment Adam and Eve set the pattern for all humanity by disobeying God and attempting to rule the world without him, the whole creation has been on death row. Ever since that day, we have all had to live in a world that is broken by sin. A world in which there is sickness. A world in which there is suffering. A world in which there is hatred and violence. A world in which even the very best things are haunted by the ever-present, ever-coming shadow of death. And friends, ever since the beginning of time, the question has been asked, will we have to suffer like this forever? Is this all there is for us to look forward to? Eighty-odd years on this life and then death. Is that all there is? But brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the fact that by rising again, Jesus Christ answered that question. And he answered, no. He said, death is not your end. Death will not defeat you. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, the thing that makes today worth celebrating is not just the fact that Jesus rose again, but the fact that because Jesus rose again, We will too. Because friends, if you trust that Jesus is who he said he is, if you believe that he lived the perfect life of obedience that you should have lived, and he died the death of punishment that you should have died, and if you believe that by rising again Jesus has overcome the power of sin and death, if you believe, then you can rejoice in the fact that on that first Easter Sunday, God gave an emphatic yes to life. He says no to death and he says yes to life. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And you go, what is the full life? What does that mean? It's life as it was meant to be lived. It was life as God created it. Life with God as your king. Life where you live joyfully in relationship with him. By rising again, Jesus says no to condemnation and yes to peace. Romans 6 says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who believe in the resurrected Christ. Because Jesus rose again. What does he say to his disciples when he busts into the locked room? Peace be with you. And you can have that peace. Peace with God. By rising again, Jesus says no to sin and yes to righteousness. 
Romans 6 again, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. You don't need to sin anymore. Jesus has set you free from sin. Count yourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. And friends, we could keep going. There are so many implications of this. By rising again, Jesus says no to your fear and yes to hope. No to grief and yes to joy. No to hatred, yes to love, no to doubt, yes to certainty, no to fear, yes to courage. By rising again, Jesus said no to death and yes to life, new life, full life, forever life. And friends, if you believe that, If you know this life, you will never be the same again. So let me ask you, do you know this life? Do you live with this kind of hope? Do you live with this kind of courage and confidence, knowing that even the scariest thing in this life, death, is is nothing to be afraid of? Do you live knowing that by rising again, Jesus has made it possible for you to live a new life right now, And a new life that will only get better when you die and enter into eternal life. Do you know that life? Jesus is offering it to you. By walking out of the grave, he says, it is yours. The question is, have you said yes? Will you say yes? Brothers and sisters, if you're here today and you're someone who does not identify yourself as a Christian, If you're someone who is unsure about what you truly believe, unsure about this Jesus fellow, let me encourage you to take hold of his offer of life today. Turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and know for certain that you will be his forever. Now, if you've got questions about that, I would love to help answer them. Or you can come along to our Hope Explored series where we're going to dig deeper into some of those questions. We're going to see this hope. But friends, if you're here this morning and you have said yes to new life, if you are a believer in Jesus, then let me encourage you this morning with the hope that you do not need to fear death. Yes, it's coming. It's absolutely coming. Unless Jesus returns first, we will all face death. But death is not what it used to be. Death is defeated. Death does not have the power that it used to have. It's no longer something to be feared because now death is the gateway to new life, to a better life, to life like you've never lived it before. And so I'm going to leave you with this dialogue between death and the Christian by a man called George Herbert. The Christian says to death, Alas, poor death, where is thy glory? Where is thy famous force, thy ancient sting? Alas, poor mortal, void of story, go spell and read how I have killed your king. Poor death, and who was hurt thereby? The curse being laid on him makes thee accursed. Let losers talk, yet thou shalt die. These arms shall crush thee. Spare not. Do thy worst. I shall be one day better than before. Thou so much worse that thou shalt be no more. Let me pray.
Father God, we rejoice in the resurrection this morning. That by rising again, Jesus has defeated sin. Defeated death. Overcome the curse that has crippled this creation since the beginning of time. And because Jesus lives, we can know that we can too. Father, we want this life. A life free of fear. A life full of joy. A life that was meant to be, the life that you created for us to live. We want this life. And we thank you that at the cross and at the empty tomb, you have secured this life for us. Please help us to comprehend just how good it is that Jesus rose again, that we no longer need to fear death, and that because of this, we can look forward to life now, Life that is changed right now, but a life that will only get better when we leave this earth. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed, longing for the life, the forever life, the full life, the perfect life that we will have with you in the new creation. Take us there, Lord, we pray. Amen.